Hello and welcome to Coffee Lovers Radio. Joseph here with Jesse Nelson coming at you from the terrace. Hi, from Jesse. the terrace. How you doing, Joseph? From the terrace. <laughs> I'm doing fantastic and uh, really excited for recording this episode, uh, as I think you are as well, because we have some I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Sh- shiny new things. Mm-hmm. Do you want to... Nothing to get you motivated to do some more podcast recording, another <laughs> recording, by getting... Some new recording equipment. That's right. All thanks to our patrons. Thank you so Coffeeloversradio.com. much. CoffeeLoversRadio.com. <laughs> That's right, Jesse. And you can click on the patron <laughs> link and come support us. And thank you so much to those who have all this time. Oh, remember, it was actually about eight months ago, I think, we upgraded the microphones, maybe almost a year. Yep. And then and we had to downgrade them for COVID. We <laughs> yeah, we, we kind of did. Because <laughs> what we were, we, we were recording together with the microphones in the portable recorder and then we yeah we started going through skype and everything anyway we have really nice processing equipment now that we plug the microphones into and we can do these remotely and then we can record together again as well once we're not diseased thank you thank you again for everyone who supports (laughs) us i'm hoping that no matter where we are we can bring you some nice studio quality sound it's a learning curve yeah you know and it's something that it's, I'm new to, I'm new to purchasing this kind of equipment. I spent the morning learning about latency on how to solve that with the recording software so I can play guitar and stuff like that as well. I am super excited. This equipment's beautiful. I really appreciate the opportunity to record on it, but you know, it's all coming from this kind of labor of love of this podcast. I'm not sure if I told you this, Joseph, but our, um, our fan, uh, Mateo that was on our zoom call a couple weeks ago, sent some samples of his coffee to us as well. So, oh yes. Uh, Mateo, thank you so I, much. Yep, I will. Uh, I'll take some photos. We'll put that up on the Instagram along with my plastic removal video. <laughs> you know. Well, we're gonna have to figure out how to do a show with it because you have the coffee and I don't. Uh, last time, so Mateo sent us coffee before, and we uh, debuted we were in the same it. Room. Yeah, we're in the same room. We debuted it on the third crack. Uh, so those of you who listened last year might recall that we did it for about a year, but we did an after show called The Third Crack, which was available to our patrons. We don't do that show anymore. We've kind of changed things up, but yeah, we'll have to enjoy the coffee <laughs> yep. and, and share it a bit. Right. Or you yeah, will. I will you have will. some left over. <laughs> I will, uh, we're, it might just last a couple episodes because I could brew some up. Please don't ask why I'm not doing that immediately because <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I should have had this right now. Uh, that, that's okay. It. It's fun I to have... get new coffee. It was really fun to. It was fun to, you know, put a face to Mateo's letters and the coffee and stuff like that, and right. to talk to him. And it's really fun to get coffee and try it out. I'm super excited. It looks it looks like a wonderful roast as well. Um, so, thank you so uh, much. Everyone else should come join us on the uh, Friday morning Zoom calls. Coffeeloversradio.com/slash/zoom. Coffeeloversradio.com in general to support us for all the good things. That's right. Well, as you know, we, we got a very detailed set of questions in uh, yeah. from a fan, from a supporter uh, of the show about coffee blending. Well, coming from your, your blends, because I, I think yeah, she was uh, bringing the loco focus on the Chemex and then just had some curiosity questions about blends in general. I'm just going to go ahead and read kind of this first question and then we can get into it. So... I realized that the local focus blend varies depending on what bean you are actually blending and roasting, but I'm curious as to how much that varies with availability and how much you've had to adapt to keep flavors consistent. In other words, since you've been blending this signature, how many different beans have been in the mix? 
Yeah, there's a question about the variability and how much right. that changes, and then how many different. Let me let me insert a question in here. Let me insert a question yeah. in here, actually. So, because uh, I remember <laughs> from the very beginning, shortly after we met or around when we met, you won an award for the Loco Focus blend, and to me, yes. that is like that. That's for my origin story with Loco Focus, like my first like real association with it. Maybe you want to tell everyone about that really quick and how you started with the blend and uh, maybe how it's evolved over time. Absolutely. I mean, there's a, there's a lot that goes into this. This is why I was really excited to kind of bring this to the episode because I'm not sure if she meant to have this kind of weight in these questions. Um, but mm-hmm. to me, kind of the evolution of the Loco Focus blend has been sort of the epitome of the learning process in my coffee experience as a small small business coffee. Just briefly, I discovered the word loco focus in graduate school in 2006 about um, it's a nickname for the radical wing of the Democratic Party in the 1800s up in in upstate New York in Albany. And uh, I loved the name. I thought immediately that would be the name of my espresso blend. And um, at that point in my life, I probably should have stopped grad school and started a coffee company. (laughs) Um, (laughs) If that's what I was if that's what I took out of that class, I dove right into that blend. And then we won that award five months in. It was in, I think it was July after we opened in May. Yeah, we had a really good run. That was at the Coffee Fest, America's Best Espresso Competition. Um, So the idea of the blend was to kind of, I wanted a three bean blend, but I I didn't want to blend it beforehand. I wanted a post-roast blend. And the post-roast blend is a blend that you you roast the beans separately as as single origins and then blend them together after the fact, which theoretically would give you some more control over the nuances of each particular origin. But I wanted a three bean blend because it helps with more of the consistency and flavors. If you have to trade out a coffee or if you need to go for kind of a rounder flavor, um, mm-hmm. having three or four different coffees in there kind of give you that, that flexibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but doing three different batches and then blending them together to make one round of coffee is very time consuming. And right. that was the other part of her question, I think, later on is, is about post-roast blend and how much of that we do. Kind of my idea with the local Focus was to do, I call it a bridge coffee. So there's three different coffees in, in the blend, but I roast one coffee. We'll call it Brazil. The, f- the first batch of coffee is majority Brazil and then a little bit of Guatemala, for instance. And then the second round of coffee is the majority of a Honduras with a little bit of the same oh, Guatemala in it. I see. Okay. So you're... And so, right, instead of... Because I wanted three coffees. I, was, I wanted three different origins, and I didn't want to do three batches. So now, having that bridge coffee, which is the Guatemala right. then, in this case, would be, you know, roasted slightly different, so not, you know, theoretically optimal, but it is consistent with the other majority coffee. And so it just kind of added, like, a little bit of roundness to a two-bean post-roast blend. And that's that's pretty fascinating. For. So it's both uh, pre and post blended, right? This coffee, right? I see. That's pretty fascinating. So uh, let me just let me just explain it again, just to make sure that everyone listening <laughs> gets it. Um, <laughs> three coffees. I lose you by now. <laughs> three coffees. Two different roast batches. The first batch and the second batch have different base coffees, and then the third coffee is split between the two batches. Exactly. Okay, that's pretty cool. Do other roasters do this? I've never actually heard of this before. Why have you never told me this before? I feel like we have. I feel like it's just, it's been so long, Joseph, that, that I is true. take it for granted now. 
I should I, go back. You know, I haven't actually talked to that many roasters about it. I mean, the, so the, the economical way to roast, to blend coffee is to put all the beans together when they're green and roast them together. So you have one batch per one blend or whatever. Um, so then you're right. not taking twice as much time to make that same round of coffee. And that's what we do for our darker blends. And that's where, you know, inconsistency in beans really makes a big difference because, you know, like we know, the little dense little Yemen or Ethiopian beans are going to roast a lot different than low altitude Brazil. And so it's difficult to put those kind of coffees in the same blend and then roast them. But you would get you'd have that flexibility doing a post roast blend. Um, post roast is very inefficient, but, you know, it, it checks off all the science boxes for, you know, dialing in that specific coffee. Um, the thing you can run into is that solubility changes a lot between the way you roast the coffee. So if you did a really light roast and then you did a really dark roast and put them together, we call that a black and tan, which is a, <laughs> a horrible leftover piece from you know the 80s of trying to come up with original roasting. But it's uh, probably a lot earlier in the 80s now that I say <laughs> the, uh, you know, and that. Would, that was something. But, but the solubility is really difficult. Those coffees are going to dissolve at, at different temperatures right. and um, kind of make brewing difficult, especially for espresso and stuff like that. So I wanted to avoid that. So the, the roasts are like different curves, um, fairly significantly different curves, but they end at pretty similar temperature and time. And so they just kind of take a different trajectory to get there to, in order to dial in that coffee on the local focus. So, because I want that, I want the temperature to be roughly the same. So the ending temperature and the time so that theoretically that would make it the most consistent for brewing and solubility. Right. But having the different curves helps you accent particular flavors in those coffees. Gotcha. And I've always uh, kind of wondered that with, cause uh, other, I've certainly had post roast blends from other people where it is that, like visually different like you can tell there's there's a coffee in there that's like much darker and there's another coffee that's like much lighter where the color like the roast level is maybe not that different but one of the coffees is much larger beans and one is much smaller and i've always wondered as i'm brewing that like how do i know so let's say i get a bag of coffee let's assume for the sake of argument that that it's like the perfect distribution as far as the roaster wants, which I'm right. not sure exactly how that happens. Like you, well, you that's take, always a challenge, right? Yeah, like <laughs> blending in general, especially if you get too many coffees in the blend. Like there was, I'll just say it was Stumptown way back in the day, uh -huh. uh, whatever, eight years ago now. Um, they had eight or nine different coffees in their hairbender blend. Wow, how does that? Never mind. <laughs> and it was like turning into floor sweepings, right? And it's like, well, that's always going to be the same flavor because it's a it's a flavor of all the flavors, right? right yeah, and that's and that's, that's an economical flavor, thing right? because they can right, and that means they're buying so much volume that they're buying it on futures, and so they can shuffle the coffee around in the blend, right? But also, you're getting down to like ten percent exposure. You know, when you put twenty grams of coffee into an espresso um, portafilter, the chances of getting that even distribution is pretty small, right? being, you know, 10% here, 10% there of all these different beans when you have 50 beans. Um, right. So I wanted or, to avoid that. Yeah. That's why I kept it even, and even to me, like even getting like four beans in a blend is pushing that limit as right. far as probability mm -hmm. goes. Mm -hmm. That's really why I settled at three beans in the blend. Yeah. Well, three, three beans. I love it. Like don't get me wrong. Balance. I absolutely love, right. Oh yeah. I think so too. And it gives you the origins. It gives you like the key things, you know, the, the original blend was what I said it was, which was Brazil. Honduras and then the bridge coffee of Guatemala, you know, those, those give you those points, right? There's that classic peanut chocolate flavor that comes from that kind of bitter baker's chocolate comes from Brazilian coffee. Mm -hmm. Then there's the milk chocolate and like kind of heavy, more brown sugar um, that's in uh, Central American coffees, mm -hmm. like the Honduras. 
Um, and then I picked a high altitude Guatemala because I really wanted some of that sort of apple acidity and a little bit more of that acidity in there as well to kind of right. offset the chocolateness of those coffees. So is your, cause so the, the local focus gets those points. Uh, the local focus to me has always been that, that nice balance of, of chocolate and brightness, uh, and on espresso often to me, you know, getting some like lemon, but good sweetness in there. And then, uh, it, it, it's also a coffee that brews well. I don't have it too often. I did just have some here recently. I do love it as espresso. To me, as far as blends go, that's been that's been one of the best ones I've had around just because it's so versatile. I'm curious, before we get into that subject, going back to the to the three beans and the bridge coffee, is your bridge coffee always the the bright one? Or how do you figure out which is which? It and kind of is, yeah. It's a smaller percentage. I mean, it's 30% versus 35% in my current numbers. Yeah, I mean, I'm not looking for something shockingly bright that's, you know, going to outshine the other coffees but i'd really like it to be sort of an offset to the more chocolate flavors the reason why i go for the more chocolate flavors too in the coffee is because um the audience the target audience is an espresso audience for that blend so it's called loco focus espresso which does not mean you can't brew it as drip it's just the idea is that this is a coffee a workhorse coffee that will meet as many of the customers wants as we can with a single coffee right mm-hmm. so i want it to be heavy enough of a roast that it can cut through milk and stuff like that well for lattes, but I want it light enough that it doesn't offend any hipsters when they order a straight shot of espresso. <laughs> um, so it's kind of a, a light medium roast, but in order to get around, like a darker roast is, is it's uh, you tend to get more of the caramelization and sugars out of it anyways yeah. with that darker roast. And so having coffee's origins, like the Brazil and Honduras that that have those natural characteristics in the in the coffee themselves. The origin characteristics are more chocolatey and sweeter. Um, I I've used those coffees then so that they will give that body that people are expecting out of a heavier roast without actually having to pull it out of the roast with more heat. Gotcha. I want to uh, throw on the the next question here, which you kind of answered, but let me throw the question out and we can figure out if you have fully answered it. Um, so when you adapt or evolve a blend with a new combo, do you roast these beans individually before putting it together? Or are you already aware of the individual capabilities of the beans and then play with roasting them together? And this also dovetails into like how much you've possibly changed the roast over the years and why you change it right. and how you change and that's, it. And that's the deal, right? And that's what, if, I, if everybody could just have a consistent single origin, we would, because that makes a lot more sense, you know, um, economically and everything the reason the reality is is that coffees are seasonal um they age and so those single origins change over time both in terms of year to year on the farm and how much the farm grows or any kind of improvements or you know climate change or anything like that at the farm level but also it ages once you get it so you just can't keep it around as much so blending is the reason why we blend is to help with those consistencies and then give consistency in the flavor and so those are the goals of the of the blend and so we have had to adjust the coffee's going into it. Well, we have had to adjust the coffee's going into it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Well, partly because we, we yeah. have different importers. You know, we've switched importers, so we get a different coffee, and so it gives us that opportunity. Um, but also just that this is a little bit of the heartbreak in small business ownership, I'll be honest. Like, I love coming up with blends. I love coming up with these ideas and finding new coffees, and it is so unappreciated. I mean, I know that... I appreciate you, listeners. Jesse. I know, I... Thank you, Joseph. I mean, I and I'm not saying 
like underappreciated by everybody I know or people. It's just right. The, yeah. The amount of effort that goes into keeping three different coffees on the shelf and keeping that rotating and do a workhorse espresso blend. It's really, um, it's hard to keep up with that. Yeah. You know, and it's expensive. Yeah. And so when you run out of one coffee, suddenly you can't do the blend. And so in the last couple of years, the big evolution of the blend has been towards more consistency in the coffees and the bottom line and cash flow of the business. And so um, I have brought our medium roast, the Westlake, closer in line with the coffees that are in Loco Focos. Mm, um, and then just roasted, roasted differently. But just mm. for green coffee inventory-wise, it's having three bags instead of five bags on the table. And a bag of coffee is, you know, 700 to to $1,000. So having less inventory open is how a small business can stay functioning. So I have to say just the realities of the coffee industry sort of snuck in and you just have to simplify the blends a little bit to stay competitive. And right about that same time, I started pushing more seasonal blends, doing the spring blossom and hmm, um, gotcha. the pro slang and things like that, the winter lake, because that's, that's, those are really fun and the coffees are not consistent. So we have them for a couple months and then we do another yeah. experiment. And those are really enjoyable. You know, they interest people. They tend to be lighter roasts than the than the other blends, um, but they're fun for the yeah. people that enjoy blends, like me. Yeah, I have to say, I really, I really love a good blend too. And like single origins, obviously, are really enjoyable to explore. Delicious. You you know, you get that connection with the farm. You can obviously still have that connection with the blend because you know the single origins going into it. Uh, right. The blend gives you that ability to create an experience. It's the crafting of a, a particular experience, like you do with like the spring blossom. Really is like this this springtime blend. It has that sense to it to me. And of course, I remember uh, one of our first collaborations where we did the the holiday blend. That there was like this is going to go perfect with pumpkin pie. So yeah, I I, uh, I love I love that experience. And it I've seen other roasters try to focus more on blends and like from that perspective. Like highlighting, okay, now we're going to explore these experiences. I've never really seen it take off from that perspective. Uh, just the, the coffee culture itself, especially in yeah. Seattle, doesn't really appreciate blends. Mm -hmm. Like when you hear about it, and that's the joke. I say this all the time, probably said on the podcast, is that, you know, 70% of our sales are dark roasts and blends. Yeah. Um, but 100% of our Instagram's light roast. Yeah. Single origins, right? Like, right. That's what the story is, and that's what the coffee industry wants to see. But the reality of the coffee industry is that ninety nine percent of the coffee sold are blends. Yeah, because that's the way the industry works, and that's how coffee needs to work in order to reduce the amount of labor and thought processes going into right the volume of coffee meant to meet these three billion cups of coffee a day. It's just so it's really fun to focus on single origins, but you don't really make any money that way. And if mm -hmm. you have a cafe and you're a roaster with a cafe, then you can kind of push your customers into wanting your coffee that way. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it's, it's a tough thing. So even when I do single origin, I still like for espressos, I still go darker and kind of follow the local focus profiles just mm. with a single origin. Um, right. That's that consistency of brewing. And thinking about this, this blends being more, popular economically the most like business successful coffee companies quote unquote that i've seen like online especially or at least some of the most business successful coffee companies that i've seen their focus is entirely on blends and you know they're naming their coffees in a lot of different ways that have absolutely nothing to do with the coffee because they've crafted their business entirely around a particular image around and the, they're and using the coffee 
as the way to to distribute that image right like like death wish coffee or any of those things right you know, those are those are just blends and they're they're fulfilling a market business goal more than an origin single origin goal right well i think it comes coffee. down to most people almost all people who drink coffee don't really have that much interest in the coffee itself they just want to drink the coffee and for it to taste good and i think a lot of people also want consistency don't want like you know, every cup of coffee to be tasting different when they're brewing it. And so that drives you more towards a blend, even if it's like, you know, a high quality blend, people still want the same thing. And all the way down the line, I mean, we've talked about this too, but the economics of training baristas over and Mm -hmm. over and over, you know, like (laughs) inherently a pretty, um, how do I say this? A pretty uh, mobile role, a lot of, uh, a lot of movement around the industry for baristas. And so for a coffee shop to spend the time and effort to train somebody how to make coffee, is expensive and right. especially since they're probably not going to stick around too long in the business or the industry at all. And then on top of that, you add layers of learning how to brew different coffees and mm-hmm. what then the origins. And, you know, at that point the barista better know a whole lot about the roaster company that's selling the coffee as well and what their relationships are and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's not just inconsistency of between single origins and brewing. It's, it's the inconsistency of, everything following from that in the industry from the training to the information to what the customers are going to hear about the coffee and what they care to know i mean it's just it's so much easier to just have a blend that's consistent and let the baristas keep it simple and and yeah do the same thing every time how is uh this is a little sidebar for lack of a different word how's the kickstand it's really good I think we talked about that on the show. So we we're it's kind of under new management. It's a it's a co it's co managed with the restaurant next door mm-hmm. that we share the commissary kitchen at. So it's fantastic. We've had That's great many days now, five or six days that are bigger than the biggest day we had last summer. Um, nice. So something's working. I think that it's just, people are grateful that there's coffee in Fremont that's open again and it's pretty <laughs> tasty. So the new people are all learning how to make coffee great. Um, but good. what's really cool is that because it's co managed with the bar the bar has stepped up a lot in promoting it. And with their own yeah. Instagram feed, they're paying for some banners and stuff like that that I didn't really have money for, but also not a place to put it. I wasn't going to put a banner for my company on the side of their company. Right. Now that it's managed by them, they're doing that. So that's helping a lot, I think. And also it's making it a lot more fun to like get into the food and stuff that's available because they are part of the same company as payroll and cooks go and they just, they have the restaurant menu at their hands. So it's, it's getting right. a lot better. Um, and with all the COVID stuff happening still in King County. It's it's nice to have a to-go function for the restaurant there. Imagine the coffee offerings you have there are are more straightforward these days. Yeah, I definitely went from doing a single origin espresso, which was fairly light, to the local focus because yeah. they were they were new baristas and just wanted more consistency in that and didn't want to confuse them too much. Uh definitely helps that little, you know, little darker on that roast really does improve the the range of acceptable espresso shots. Yeah. Quite a bit. It's, it's yeah. pretty stunning. And also it's a drive through coffee stand. Um, people aren't necessarily going there for like a brilliant shot of espresso made the best possible way. You don't really sit in your car in line expecting the best cup of coffee as far as single origins and all that, you know, hipster style of coffee. So mm-hmm. it's, 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 I think that's just that consistency is helping a lot and is less confusing for consumers. But yeah, kickstand's going really well. I'm I'm thrilled. Shout out to all the people working that. I think we answered all the questions here with the uh, roast blending. Do you have any, um, you know, we talked about custom roasts and, and stuff like that. Do you have yep. any other thoughts to follow up on? 
Not really. I mean, I think it's it's one of those things that I know we've said this before is just consumers should be more aware of the coffees that they're drinking, you know, and blends are fine. They might not be as original and full of imagination as a single origin, but it is what drives the industry. But I think it's also important to recognize little roasters like ourselves. We love we love making blends, but we also like doing the, the custom blends and, and having some custom roasts and stuff like that. Right. Uh, we'll awesome. just keep it interesting. All right. Shall we do a, a topic from the mug here? From the mug. Oh, this one is delightful, Jesse. Favorite whiskey. <laughs> favorite whiskey. Favorite whiskey. There's some really, really good whiskeys, and I'm not going to be able to remember all the names. Right. I love some really good scotches as well. I mean, mm-hmm. I love, I love, um, now I'm just forgetting all my Scottish words I know. Um, <laughs> like, like South Bank is one of my favorite brands of scotch. Um, I kind of like it peaty and sweet, you know, so I, I like some mm-hmm. of that, some um, scotches from the aisles. I have uh, good old Jim Beam here because it's cheap. And yeah. It's one of my favorite of the super cheap whiskeys. And I also have some Knob Creek as well. Nice. And I, so, yeah, I love that. I love Knob Creek, um, Buffalo Trace. I like Bison, so Buffalo Trace sort of rings true to that heart. Yeah, I, I really love, uh, I really love whiskey in general. It's very hard to pick a favorite. I right. like coffee. You know, I, I just really enjoy, like, exploring a lot of the different kinds of whiskeys and trying them out. And I, I do, like, lean towards particular ones, I guess. I found lately, as, like, just kind of a good average scotch, I've actually been enjoying mm-hmm. Monkey Shoulder. Just oh, yeah, to, Monkey Shoulder's great. Just yeah. as, like, I just want to, like, enjoy a scotch. Not like I get into, like, a Lafroy or something like that that I might want to like really get into and enjoy kind of like a single origin, you know, but the monkey shoulders right. like a blend. It's the same thing. It's the same it's thing. It's the with same coffees. thing. It totally is it the is. same thing. I mean, you can sit there and be very specific about the type of any booze that you want. I mean, right. wine, all these things are the same. But yeah, um, I, I got really into scotch uh, like a couple of years ago and just started exploring the different ones. And I'm like, I really like the space sides for their like kind of bright, uh, you know, lightness to them and uh like i like mccallan uh with like it's kind of sherry richness and got really into the to the islays for their smokiness and it's mm-hmm. that same single origin exploration and then um just found monkey shoulder last year when i was looking for because you know i don't want to spend 70 to 100 dollars on a bottle all the time uh, i mean that's the thing too like what's your favorite scotch to buy versus favorite scotch to drink right yeah <laughs> so like monkey shoulder and get for 30 bucks and right. uh it's really really enjoyable but i do also I about really that. like a good it. bourbon i've had some had some really good bourbons that i can't uh like well let's see will it comes to mind shanahan um i've heard good things about four roses which i haven't tried yet i love four roses um the ula distillery in in seattle's great um yeah yeah i'm not sure there's there's whiskey yet they're so good i can't say that any one of those would be a favorite other Mm -hmm. than i mean places like ula they're fantastic owners like mischief mischief's distillery in fremont also um, patty and the gang they are they're so wonderful and their booze is incredible you know, so it's kind of hard to find a favorite except like, yeah. just on the drinkability of it. Um, I have some preferences as far as the businesses I'm supporting. I've stopped buying Bullet, Bullet, however you want to say it, because of <laughs> political reasons. Interesting. Okay. Um, they are not aligned with my political viewpoints. Yeah. And I was called out for buying it. And I didn't I didn't know any of that stuff. And so, uh, it's, no, you know, I don't want to 
tell other people what to purchase based on you know my mm-hmm. political beliefs. But I've stopped doing that. Whereas Buffalo Trace, um, and they're kind of the same price. I started buying more of that because they were donating to the opposite political uh. stuff, which I like. That's probably a little bit of a you know a business war, mm-hmm. quote war between brands as far as what they're doing, Chick Fil A versus you know KFC. So. Oh man! Um, remember last summer you were at the whiskey thing. What was that? Or like a was it all whiskey? Or there were that event in Fremont? Yes, that was the um, that was Proof Washington. That was proof. a that was a distillers event, kind of gotcha. like a beer event or something yeah. like that. So yeah, we did coffee at it, and then we did a coffee and whiskey pairing. Right, uh, and uh, you got me into that uh, for my birthday, I think. Um, and I went around and tried a whole bunch of things and I found a new distillery from around here, which I really like. Uh, although I'm, I haven't had any of their stuff since last summer, but Westland. Oh, Westland's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Westland, those guys, um, let's see, there's, uh, two bars, three howls. I think they're from the Redmond area. This is when we should bring real John back on the show. Cause he knows his, <laughs> he knows um, all the stuff. And a little shout out, Joseph, and I'll just invite you. We should go to Scotch Sunday now that things are opening back up. Oh, that's, that's a good idea. A, the, the Barrel Thief in Fremont. They mm-hmm. have half price on all their scotches. So that's where that's I right. go to kind of get my fix. So like you'd go to one of these fancy coffee shops to try out a bunch of different single origins. Yep. You know, talk to the bartender, figure out what it is, remember what you had last time, and try and make some comparisons. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, kind of makes me want to uh, drink some right now. Kind of does. Kind of does. All right. Uh, any other thoughts? Um, actually, I really, yeah, I really appreciate our friend reaching out with these great questions. It was such a, it's fun to talk about these crazy topics that I tend to gloss over because I feel like I've spent many years talking about them. Mm -hmm. So it's fun to rehash that. And and I find I learn a lot by having to answer those questions again. Oh yeah. Why I blend the way I do, because like I said it before, I I sort of take it for granted now Mm -hmm. and it's still pretty cool. Yeah. There's nothing like teaching to help yourself learn. Thank you all for listening. Go to coffeeloversradio.com. We do extended show notes with the Patreon. If you'd like to support us there, that'd be really great. We'd really appreciate it. And thank you all again, you patrons who have helped us make our show sound so much more delicious. Got some fun stuff. That's right. Fun stuff coming up. So uh, thank you. And we'll uh, catch you in the next one. Cheers, Joseph. Cheers, Jesse. See you soon. This has been Joseph and Jesse with Coffee Lovers Radio. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to our show and sign up for the email newsletter. Visit coffeeloversradio.com. There you can listen to our shows and click through to our Patreon page to get expanded show notes and other fun stuff. Coffee Lovers Radio is a partnership between Extracted Magazine and Conduit Coffee. Just visit coffeeloversradio.com and we'll see you on the show.